Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we are walking through the raindrops, wondering when the winter weather is going to start. Avram, we've got to raise these cans a little bit. I can't hear a thing. Good morning, folks, and thanks. There we go. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m., right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. I'm still trying out this new theme song, by the way. I've only had one objection, and of course it came from somebody in my household. God bless them all. If I don't hear more objections, I'm sticking to it because of Rami and I like it. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, despite the weather. I'm joined by my handy-dandy partner, Avram. What's up, Avram? How are you doing today? Baruch Hashem, how are you? Thank God. I am doing well. No incidents on the bus this week. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> so things went smoothly, and uh, that's always a good thing. It is a good thing. And by the way, for those people who are looking forward to Saturday Night Seagull, and I'm sure everyone is, this is a big Karlbach weekend, not only outside of the network, but inside the network as well. Avrami will be hosting, am I right, a, a Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach-themed Saturday yep. Night Seagull? Every, every song is going to be Rabbi Shlomo, except for the uh, intro and the outro. The theme songs stay the same, but everything else um, is Rabbi Shlomo. We're going to have some stories, etc. But we're also going to have, just so people who are regular listeners know, we will also have uh, Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler on to discuss the Parsha. So, you know, the main, the, the regulars stay regular, but the rest of the show is all about Rip Shlomo and his wonderful music and his, uh, his wonderful spirit on, uh, on his yard side. So the basics are still there. The, uh, the, um, structure is still there. And Matis on Sunday morning for JM Sunday, he will also have a Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach yard site themed show. And Matis will actually join us a little bit later in today's program to discuss Sunday morning. If you are a new listener to our show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in, or I should say from your morning. I should probably change that. And if you're a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Amy Mosery does. And a shout out to Amy Mosery, who I saw last night. Friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email. Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will get back to you. Please got after the show. Please follow us on Twitter, NahumSiegelNet, all one word. And Miriam L. Wallach, also all one word. Let's go to our favorite segment. As I tweeted out this morning, I have fresh fortune cookies. Now, by fresh, I mean I didn't make them last night, but I got them last night. And by the way, Avram, I don't really want to know when these are actually made till the time they get into my home. But uh, these are courtesy of Chosen Island. Thank you, everybody, at Chosen Island for dinner and for my fortune cookies. Here we go. Oh, this is beautiful. Facts are cheap, information is plentiful, knowledge is precious. What do you think? You need your mic on. I thought that was too long. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't like the cadence? I like things in threes. Like when I write or when, I, um, when I'm when i doing something, I'm either writing a speech, writing a piece, or whatever it is, I like to do things in threes. So I do appreciate that Confucius, in this case, wrote something in threes, but yeah, I agree with you. Things need to be a little bit tighter on my fortune cookie. Let's take care of some business. Today's national holidays. It is Alternative Fuel Day. And, yeah, I'm all about alternative fuels. Not so much exactly, but I'm driving a hybrid, so I think that I uh, I can actually mention this one on the air. I've gone from driving an SUV, which is a complete gas guzzler, to filling up for $43.41 yesterday. I am enjoying my hybrid tremendously. It's also Get to Know Your Customers Day. Get smart about credit day. It is the International Day for the Eradication of Poverty. I'm not sure what we do the other 364 about poverty, but today we're paying attention to it. It's also National Pasta Day, Avram. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had some last night for dinner. Because you were holding two days or because the Yuntif started last night? Yeah, because it started last night. Exactly. It's also Spirit Day, which um, if anybody is in Manhattan today or looking outside their window and it looks like it looks here, I'm not sure things are going to be that spirited, but we will do what we can. And it's Wear, some, wear Something Gaudy Day. And uh, I did not know I, I was celebrating by accident today, but this is not my best dress. Anyway... As I have promised, there's a new segment here because of our new time slot. It's the crazy commuting moment. And God bless the Long Island Railroad. They did not let me down this morning as I'm sitting in the quiet car on the train, which, again, is not very quiet. The woman who got on at the stop after me, excuse me, got on at the stop after me, was sitting right next to me, turned to the conductor and said, if I get off at Jamaica and I change for another train there, will I get to Penn Station faster because the train that we were on is local. Um, if I change there, will I get to work faster? I'm trying to get to work faster. Uh, and he said, trying to get to work earlier? Leave earlier. Okay, right. That's what she needed. She was already stressed out. And basically they had um, what would be considered an off-color and something I could not tweet about exchange afterwards. But I would like to thank everyone on the Long Island Railroad and for who are part of my commute for giving me more to talk about here on the air. What do you want to say? You look like you're about to rev up to say something. No, no I was just enjoying. Yeah, enjoying because it's not your life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hey, well, last week I was in an hour and a half late because of the bus. So, you know. I'm what gl- happened? The bus just came an hour and a half late. There was technical difficulties. So I came into New York an hour and a half after. Luckily, I come in early enough each week. Right. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> but I was standing out in the rain for an hour and a half. So well, when nothing ma- happens one week, I'm okay with it. If it makes you feel better, my kids had a substitute bus driver this week, and my 10-year-old had to guide this adult on uh, who was driving the bus through the entire route. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Good that she's prepared. And it's a he. But that's okay. All right, that's exactly. It. By the way, you know, I, I have... I have um, dismissed or gotten rid of, I should say, the segment where I talk about a funny story with my kids all the time. But I just have to share what happened last night because it's worth it. Um, I was reading with my son. For those people who are Mo Willems books, book fans, oh, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful author. He does Piggy and Gerald and all those pigeon books. And we'll actually talk to Randy Goldfarb. She's also a children's book author. We'll talk to her in a couple of minutes. She is on hold. And Randy, I think you'll like this. Um, but we are reading the new book called I'm a Frog. And I asked my son if he likes the fact, if he enjoys the fact that he and I look alike. I have six kids and I have one that looks like me because my husband has really, really, really strong genes. So my son has dark hair and my husband has red hair. So I said to my son, do you like looking like me? And he said, well, I like having dark hair because I don't think I'd look good with daddy's red hair. And I said, okay. And then he looks at me and he says, how do you think I would look as a blonde? (laughs) I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this is where we're going to drop it. Anyway, you are listening to That's Live here on the Nachum Siegel Network, and I am ready and excited to invite on and introduce my first guest. Randy Goldfarb is an author and a social worker, and she is also, I mean, Randy, your uh, your CV is quite, quite extensive. You are also a psychotherapist. You are an oncology social worker with a pediatric and a pediatric team leader at um, LIJ in Queens. You have a very, very extensive CV. It's very impressive. And most recently, you have authored a children's book. Do I hear Randy? Is Randy there? Yes, I am here. There you yes. are. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, Thanks I, for joining me. I recently me. did uh, write a children's book that got published, which is very exciting. It's something I'd wanted to do for a really long time. Well, I, it's, uh, I was very excited to be able to receive um, an advanced copy and 
we um, exchanged emails last week, and I'm very happy you reached out. So thanks for doing that. And I had the, the pleasure of reading it with my kids last night. So oh, excellent! Exactly. I mean, I was really, I was really taking it for a test drive. So before, Uh-oh. no, 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 good things, good things. Of course, you never know what's going to come out of my kids' as, mouths. As but children, you never know. Egg or as Wallach kids, you'll never know. Um, <laughs> but of course, you know me as Mary Man, so that's fine. Yes, exactly. But either way, the name of the book is called Yippee Yahoo! I am going to school. And it is a story about a child who goes to school for the first time. But I think everyone needs a little bit of a background because, and to understand where your inspiration came from for writing this book in the first place. Yeah, sure. I actually um, have always uh, read children's books with a little bit of a critical view in terms of what is it really trying to, what are we trying, our, what do we want our kids to learn from it, what are they gaining from it. And when I was struggling with separation anxiety with my own son when he was a toddler, and really trying to figure out how do I help the two of us get him off to school without so much drama, I went to look for books. And most of the books that I found were were books that focused so much on the tantruming behavior of separation anxiety at the start. I don't want to leave my mommy. I don't want to go to school. And then the end of the book, the kids were all happy and had a good time, but you didn't really get a sense of how that all evolved. Mm. And some of the other books would just mostly talk about how awesome school was. And I never really was able to find, and I spent quite a bit of time in Barnes and Nobles and all sorts of other <laughs> places, and I never found a book that sort of had a balanced approach that I thought would have helped me and my son in in many ways. So I said, I'm going to have to write my own book. And here I have. Has your um, background as a social worker, even though it seems from, um, from your experience that you are not necessarily um, dealing, dealing per, per, primarily with small children and separation issues, etc. But did you use your background as a social worker when writing this book? So that's a really good question because I think it's, I guess, a, a mix of me being a mother and my experience as a social worker working with young children and families and just always trying to find some sort of way to find a balanced approach to managing different things and speaking about things in the open and trying to do that in a matter-of-fact way. So what I did with the book, the end of the book has some tips for parents and right. that's sort of the social work me, but it's kind of a blend of the two, I would say, of me being a mother. I really wrote the book mostly as a mother um, with with the advantage of having my experience as a social worker. So I definitely want to talk about the tips um, in the back of the book at the end, but I definitely also, but more importantly, I should say, first off, I want to talk about how the parent in this book deals with their child's anxiety when they, when he does not want to leave mommy. Yes. Um, so that's actually a, a great uh, point to talk about because basically what happens is he gets to school. He was all excited beforehand. He gets to school, and then he opens the door, and that's when he says, oh, my goodness, I have to leave my mommy. That's kind of what's going on in his mind at the time. Right. And the mom very matter-of-factly says, I see you're upset, and she knows that it's because of separation anxiety because that is such a common experience for young children and parents to have. And she very simply and calmly says, you know, I'm going to miss you. You're going to miss me, and that feels sad, but you could still have a good time at school. She gives him a big hug and kiss, and she leaves. And that's sort of what I've learned really is useful when you're saying goodbye to your child. Even if you're not dropping them off at school, if you're leaving them with a babysitter and they're upset, it can really be useful in other situations. But the mom is very you know, calm, this is hard, and she's, she is upset, but she says, you know, we can do this. We can get through this, and she leaves, and she doesn't stay for a very long time because we all know right. that we could get it's very hard to leave your child when they're clinging 
you know, for dear life, don't leave me, and they're crying. But really the, the fast exit out is usually the best for the child to help them get into school and not be focusing on the fact that they didn't want you to leave. But the, but the, the beginning of the conversation in terms of validating the child's feelings to me was a very important part of the book. And also when the parent, when the mom says, I'm going to miss you too, yeah. there, there's a sharing moment at that point. Um, where the child and the parent are on the same page. Right. There's so no... I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. Because that really is one of the points. And it's interesting, when I've talked to some parents, I've had some parents question me and say, well, if I tell my child that I'm upset, then maybe that's not so, you know, that's not good for them because then they're going to think, oh, my mommy's going to be, you know. See, that's up... something I never understand, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but something yes. that always frustrates me is when parents feel that their children are better off not not knowing that their parents have lead feet and the, and that they're real and that there are emotions. It's like when somebody says to me, oh, I nev- I've never cried in front of my kids. Why not? Ooh, right. Why not? So Why I, you cry I'm in, in total agreement with you. I'm a big believer in being really upfront and honest in an appropriate way developmentally, depending on your child, but letting them know what your feelings are because that actually gives them the ability to learn about how to express their feelings, what their feelings might be, and those are great tools for life in general. It's not just about separation anxiety. So absolutely, the mom wants to say to the child, I'm upset too. This is hard for me because I have news for you. All of the research out there, which you're probably not going to be surprised about, really shows that the most challenging issues in separation anxiety are because of parents. (laughs) It's not usually the child. So, so yes, it's a little bit of a humbling moment, but that's most of the research because if you simply model and say to your child, I'm going to miss you, this is hard, we can do this, I'm going to go now, never leave without saying goodbye to your child. Right. Also, Don't sneak. really, really important. But if we did that all the time, kids would not be carrying on as much. Now, there are some children who have, you know, um, additional struggles, and if it's ongoing, then you might, you know, really need to reach out to someone in the mental health world, but typically speaking, it's something that's really manageable, and if children see that you're not going to be making a big deal and that you're not responding to them making a big deal out of it, but you're acknowledging how they're feeling, usually they're able to manage. And the validation, again, to bring to go back to that point, that yes. validation is, it, to me, as a parent and also somebody with a with an extensive background in education, that point when you validate a child's feelings and their emotions, it is it is the equivalent of putting an ice pack on some kind of an injury. It just automatically Absolutely. soothes the moment. It takes off the burn. And, and, and that goes a long way, not only in terms of the experience itself for the child, but also for that child developing into a teen and into an adult. There have to be skills and interactions that we have with our children starting at very young ages where we are not looking at the moment but looking at the big picture. So so that's actually another excellent point because that was part of my goal, and I guess that's where I came in as the social worker of this book, having place for parents to have conversation with their children about the process because the earlier you start doing that, the better chance you have of having the ability to have conversations with your children about right. feelings and about emotions, and that is very impactful as they grow up and they interact with other people as they learn to be comfortable with themselves and their own feelings and how to actually I deal with them. What do I do when I feel upset? Right. 
what do I do? Do I just always have a tantrum and then I have to wait for my mommy to fix it? Or can we kind of try to find another way to work it out where everyone feels so much better? You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam Wallach, and I'm joined by Randy Goldfarb, who is an author and a social worker. She's recently the author of Yippee Yahoo! I'm Going to School, which is a children's book aimed at helping children integrate and um, um, transition easily into school for the first time. Randy, let me also ask you something. If I would hand this book to a classic helicopter parent, the parent who hovers, the parent who cannot let go, the parent who on those transition days in preschool is the one who's constantly never leave. and looks through the window. Yes. I mean, what are you doing? But anyways, peeking <laughs> through the window to see what their kid is doing. Like, what do you think that helicopter parent's reaction would be? Because, of course, as I'm sure you can imagine, I'm the parent who, who pulls off the Band-Aid. And right. I and I'm a big believer in tough love and sometimes and unfortunately for my kids, uh, sarcasm. But um, it is a tool. It is a parenting tool. But if you handed this to a helicopter parent, what do you think their immediate reaction would be? So their immediate reaction, when I've spoken to many parents like that, they say, but my child is so upset I can't leave. They're not going to be okay. I have to be there and make sure that they're okay. Um, and generally what I'll do is I'll ask them to speak to the teachers in the classroom. And, and you ask, ask them, them how... to get their own therapist? Yeah, sorry. Yes, go on. That, that as well might be an right. option. <laughs> um, but to say really how long does it take a child to calm down, the longer you stay, the longer your child needs to calm down and can't get involved in school and they can't learn what you send them there to learn. And, and I think that those, those types of parents, and, you know, I, I, I've encountered many of them, it's a big struggle. And, and their being in the classroom actually affects other children right. and their ability to separate. And so it really, it's not just about, and then it's often I will just remind the parents, I think it might be more about you at this point than mm. your child. That might be something you want to think about, and not everybody likes to hear that. Yeah, how does that but, go over? Yeah. <laughs> right. But it depends on the person and depends if they are interested. And you know what? Not everybody's going to be able to... Um, embrace this type of approach, but I think part of the goal also was that children's classrooms would have a book like this and teachers can utilize it and then have the ability to also engage in conversation with parents. This would really be helpful for us if you could say goodbye to your child and then leave shortly after. We'll take care of your child. Your child will be okay. This is not a book for the kid. This is actually a book for the parent. And I'm serious. And reading it, reading it with my kids last night, reading it with my um, elementary school age kids last night, I really, they, my kids had, like every other kid, had some kind of separation issues Mm -hmm. and nothing to the extent of tantrums or anything like that, thank God. Um, But when I was reading it to them, one of my kids looked at me and just like, of course, I'm going to school. It was like completely matter of fact, I'm getting on the bus, I'm going to school. Like, this is what we do. I have stressed to my kids that this is their job. Being a student mm-hmm. is their job. I get on the train, I go to work, they get on the bus, they go to school. That's their responsibility, this is my responsibility. Right. But when I was reading this, so much of it really spoke to me as a parent versus speaking to them as the kid. Now, there are plenty of books, and it's not a criticism, by the way, not at all, yes. but the um, there are so many books, oh, my first day of kindergarten, the night before kindergarten, like all of these different things that are really meant for the child that you when you are reading it for them. But here... The, the subtle message, in my opinion, is really for the parent, which makes this a very unique tool. So, so I agree. I mean, I think that, that my goal was to have a book that children could learn from and say, oh, look how excited this kid is. He goes to school, but he still has trouble separating. But in the end, he has a really good time because they went through this whole process. And maybe I can learn from that. And again, not every child is going through all of that in their mind. But as they're reading it, that's the hope is that they're going to 
see this child and want to model what he does. But, yes, a lot of it was designed to help parents and to engage in conversation with their child about the story, about the book. What are things that we can do? How could we help you? How could we work together? And I, I think that a lot of the books out there, are their primary goal is just to validate children, and sometimes they go overboard mm. doing that. And I try to create something that would validate what the child really honestly the real experience of what it really is about and finding ways for the parent and the teacher also to be involved as the primary helpers and the facilitators of a smooth separation. Randy, I want to ask you about two more things before we run out of time. Number one, I just want to talk about the illustrations as well. The illustrator for your book was Joel Golumbeck. And if I'm not mistaken, and I could very well be, everything was done in in, uh, colored pencil? Yes, colored pencil with some uh, paint as well, with some watercolor. What What was the inspiration for using that medium? Do you know? Uh, just because I thought it was, um, it was definitely an interesting choice. It doesn't look like, um, it doesn't look like broad strokes. There's something very, um, I, I don't know, what, very personal about it in in terms of all of the illustrations. It doesn't look like something something that somebody generated on a computer, on a storyboard, or whatever it is. It looks like somebody who sat down and, and, and took out their, their comfort medium, so to speak, and drew pictures that were really from the heart. So, so it's interesting that you picked up on that because it was a very long process finding an illustrator that could bring my book to life. Mm. And my original thoughts of how the illustrations were going to be were nothing the way, like the way it turned out. Oh, wow. And I'm thrilled with how it turned out because that is exactly what I hope to accomplish, making it a warm, engaging type of story that just seemed to kind of make sense with the story and and make you feel good about it, even though he was struggling. Right. And we had um, quite a lot of conversations about the feeling and the warmth and what really the goal of the story was and how the illustrations and the text could work together and really support each other. And And that was a very important piece to the book so that it would be something that would would be just warm and welcoming and, and make, you know, and I've, I've shown the book to so many people and they just look at the cover and they say, oh, that's so cute. Right. It's very sweet. It's yeah. a very endearing. The illustrations are very endearing. And as founder and CEO of Pro- Proactive Connections, um, and they are, and that's who put out the book. Yes. Um, tell me about some of the tips that you give at the, tell me about some of the tips that you give at the end of the book as putting on your social worker hat. Yeah, so, so what I try to do is I try to reflect based on the book what was happening mm-hmm. and utilize those as some of the tips. And to talk about separation anxiety as a very normal part of emotional development and that there's some real simple tools that you can use and even proactively use in advance that could make your experience separating from your child so much easier. And I chose not to have like 20. I mean, there's a million things you could do. Every parent, every child has different things that will work for them. But I tried to come up with the things that I thought would appeal to most people that would be easy to incorporate into what they do day to day. And and acknowledging the feelings and, and as you had pointed out, that is something that's really important to do for both the parent and the child. And that was one of the things that I focused in on the book about acknowledging, not just saying, you know, I've heard parents 
dropping off their children and say to their child, um, don't do this to me. Stop me. You're being ridiculous. You're mm-hmm. being silly. Just go into school. Stop right. being a baby. And I've heard Oof. parents say that. And I think it's more because nobody really always knows how to deal with it. And it's frustrating because you're trying to get your child out. You have somewhere to go and you just want them to be calm. Right. But it's really not acknowledging what's really going on for the child and that it is hard for kids to separate, even if they may not seem like the kind of kid who might have a hard time. Right. It can be very difficult. It would definitely depend on the child and depend on the situation. Yippee Yahoo, I Am Going to School is available on Amazon, amazon Amazon.com. It is a phenomenal book that I highly recommend. You can also reach Randy, proactiveconnections at gmail.com. Randy Goldfarb, thank you very much for joining me. Much Hatzlacha. Thank you, Miriam, so much. Oh, absolutely my pleasure. And I can't wait to read the next book. I hope there will yes, be one. There, there will be one coming out shortly, so stay tuned. Excellent. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And my second guest is already on the line. David Cutler is the director of NCSY Summer Programs. And David joins me because even though we haven't hit winter yet, David, I am told that summer is around the corner. Hi, good morning, Miriam. It's hard <laughs> to believe that on October 17th we are, we are well into summer uh, summer season. So it's absolutely true. Um, if yeah, it's stressing me out a little bit. I gotta be I gotta be honest because I don't know what I'm doing for Pesach, and frankly, I don't know what I'm doing next week. But uh, we need to know what my daughter is doing next summer. Right. So so give everybody a little bit of the background. I know you've been working at the NCSY and, o- and the OU for about nine years, and for close to eight years you've been running the NCSY summer programs. Tell me when the summer programs started and what the inspiration was behind offering all of these programs. Well, the summer program, the NCSY, as you know, is the uh, youth movement of the Orthodox Union. So uh, the OU is, is a very community-oriented organization, um, and they have their, their, you know, they, they fund NCSY uh, around the country. And uh, from what I understand, you know, the summer program started a good 25, 30 years ago. Uh, some of the major, the core ones that we run, such as Colel and McClellan and, and Camp Sports in Baltimore, uh, they go back 25, 30 years. Uh, and the feeling is that the summer is an unbelievable time uh, to really make such an, uh, an impact on a kid's life. School, you know, schools do a nice job, but they're, they're, they're in a very formal setting and they're text-based, and even though they're getting a little bit more and more, I'd say, uh, you know, experiential and so on and so forth, they're, the, the opportunity you have over the summer to connect with a kid, whether it's in Israel or Baltimore or in Europe, uh, in such a way, even educationally, uh, in a fun way, is, it, it can't be paralleled. And it's, it's gone from, from really a, a luxury to almost a necessity now right. to really send your kid uh, on, a, on a good uh, summer program because there's such transformative experiences right. uh, that you really can't compare. So they, they've evolved. I mean, I'm, I'm like, like you said, I'm working here almost eight years on summer programs, and we've almost tripled our numbers Unbelievable. Uh, in that time because it's become, you know, our programs are all very growth-oriented, and, and people see it as an extension of school but, but not in a school way where we really have such an impact on a kid's life in, in a four- to six-week period. Uh, you know, again, spent in Israel or wherever you're spending it, you know, with these kids, it's really tre- tremendously impactful. Well, people don't appreciate the fact that, the, that NCSY actually has 12 different summer programs. They are very diverse. There are programs for public school students, for yeshiva students, for co-ed. There are single genders. There are really everything across the board. Tell me something very quickly about the public school programs, how popular they are. Uh, well, truthfully, in the last three years, uh, about four years actually, we've gone from 65 kids to we, we expect about 400 this summer. Wow! Um, and it's just, uh, you know, you can't imagine a lot of the public school kids have not been to Israel for the first time, and their parents are just not so familiar 
uh, with the idea of let alone going away for a summer or, or sure, surely not, not even familiar with going away to Israel for the summer. So we, we have a tremendous educational goal in mind with connecting them with the land of Israel and to their, their Jewish heritage and, and the program has just really taken off. We have, uh, we've expanded it to actually one, one bus will actually go to Poland before they go to Israel this summer really? and, uh, you know, like I said, we've gone from 65 to close to 400 this summer, God willing. That is that is unbelievable. That is really a staggering number. Do you think that there's any impact from the fact that there are families who have pulled their kids out of yeshiva because of financial constraints and as a result they're putting them in public schools? Are those kids also signing up for these programs that are meant for public school kids? So no, the the, the public school the public school proper we have, we have programs that incorporate public school and yeshiva kids. Uh huh. But the public school programs themselves, the one that's called TJJ or Jerusalem Journey, are really meant for a kid with no background. Got it. Uh, and they're really mostly either unaffiliated or, or loosely affiliated, but kids who really have never experienced the Shabbos, don't know from Contras, and, and they're either in our NCSY system or come back and join our NCSY system, and uh, and the, restu- the results have been absolutely amazing. Over the past few years, you have so many kids who've ended up going to Israel uh, after their high school Beautiful. career or switching from public school to yeshiva, um, you know, are really just getting a connection with their Jewish heritage based on these four weeks in Israel. It's really, truly really incredible. That is beautiful. That is really beautiful. So out of the 12 programs that NCSY has for the summer for teens, there are two domestic programs and 10 international programs. Tell me about them. Okay, so we have, I mean, like you said, we're very diverse. So we really, whatever, whatever your interest may be, whether it's chesed, whether it's learning, whether it's touring, you know, our programs really incorporate all these different aspects. So we have two domestic programs in the, in the States here. One is called Camp Sports in Baltimore. This is a four-week program for boys that's housed in the Nair Israel, Nair Israel campus in Baltimore. Wow. Uh, and the, the name is, you know, fairly indicative of what it does. It's camp sports. There's some learning in the morning and the afternoon and, and evening. They spend all afternoon playing different sports leagues. Uh, they do things such as going to an Orioles game, a demolition derby, Hershey Park. You know, it's really kind of like a four-week guys' night out in Baltimore. Cool. Um, and they're they're based in, like I said, in that school with beautiful air-conditioned dorms, and the food is great. And they're in the Baltimore community, so there are constant runs. You know, to a 7-Eleven and Dunkin' Donuts. So, I guess the philosophy is they they go eat junk and they work it off when they, when they play in the afternoon. That's not bad. If only God if only God was that good to me. And then yeah, there's thank God. And that gets about 80 boys. Yeah, wow. me too. <laughs> we, got, we got about 80, 80 to 85 boys, which is our our max every single summer. Um, and that program is probably that program is actually our, our oldest summer program. It's been around. It used to be called Camp. I think Camp East, uh, 25, 30 years ago. And now it's like I said, it sells out every summer. Thank God. Uh, and then the other the other program we have domestically is a girls program called Give USA. It's actually a program that we started last summer. Uh, we sold out. We only want one bus of kids. It's kind of like a Chesed on Wheels type program. Uh, this past summer, the 40 girls went to New Orleans to build homes for Habitat for Humanity. Then they went to the Jewish communities in Memphis, Atlanta, Nashville. Uh, did different projects there in the community. Spent Tisha B'Av there in the community. Uh, they went to upstate New York and they did something here in New York called Midnight Run, which is you know feeding the homeless. Um, oh wow. Wow. And so that's that's a very impactful program we started last summer. And this summer they're actually traveling the West Coast. So it's a kind of like a chesed again, a chesed on wheels for girls uh, here in the states. And, and again, one of the beautiful things about our programs is we're, we're international. So we'll have kids on the same bus. We'll have a kid from Canada, a kid from Detroit, a kid from Seattle, a kid from New York. We have kids from Israel, sometimes from Paris, England. I mean, all over the place. It's uh, it's really cool that way. So you meet people from all over the world. You know, David, I apologize because I I just realized that we did not let my listeners know. Know what the age ranges are for these different programs. And it's, uh, good and it's, question. So we, we deal with high school. We really, so with the exception of our camp sports program, which has kids coming out of eighth grade, uh, our, all of our programs are, are for kids coming out of ninth grade. 
through coming out of 12th grade. They're, they're really, we're, we're a high school-based organization for the most part, so our summer programs are geared towards high school kids. And that includes Jolt? I thought Jolt was for, like... Jolt is post-10th and 11th. Ah, okay. okay. So there, there are different... On our website, I mean, again, I can... I have all day, I can go to whatever you want, but uh, <laughs> there are different programs that have uh, different ages that are there that it's geared towards. So Jolt, which goes to Poland... Uh, it needs a little bit more of a maturity. That program is really post 10th and 11th. Got it. Okay, that's what I understood, so I'm happy that we clarified. Okay, so by the way, how many weeks um, on average are some of these programs? I know you said Camp Sports in Baltimore was four weeks. Correct. Now, it, it alludes me when, camp, when summer camp no longer was seven or eight weeks long, and I do. I, I don't know how that happened. I remember going to Morrisha for what seemed like an eternity, a wonderful eternity, right. but the summer was long. Now the summer seems short. And I do appreciate the fact that these programs are not meant to go eight weeks. I really get that. But tell, but tell me, Camp Sports is four weeks. Give USA is how long? Give USA is four weeks and change. Four weeks and change. Okay, so somebody else could piggyback that with another. Correct. They're actually designed, especially the, the, the Camp Sports program is a little bit different because we are uh, we're, we're limited by whatever Nerystrel has for us. We're, we're, we use their campus, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other programs, well, if they're four weeks, they, they range from four to six weeks. The travel, the travel heavy programs, all travel heavy programs across the board are about five weeks because more than that would number one be a fortune. Number two, <laughs> it's absolutely exhausting. Kids come home after a five week traveling program, right, and they sleep for a week and then they got to get ready for school so you know the five and they got of course shop for a few weeks before they go so right. the, the five weeks is uh, is what they want uh, the give usa program was designed for four weeks where you can actually go to give usa for the first month and work if you want and go to a camp or do whatever you like we matched it up with the other dates with other programs so you can actually go ahead and uh, and work for the second month or whatever you'd like okay so there's also in terms of the international programs let's move overseas for a second besides sure. give usa here in the united states there's give israel Correct. So Give USA was formed as an offshoot, if you will, or a breakout, if you will, of Give Israel. Give Israel was formed. It's a five-week chesed program in Israel. They're based in a a yeshiva mevaseret. They basically will get up in the morning, and we take about 80 girls or so on a program that will get up in the morning, they'll eat breakfast, they will go and do a chesed project in the morning, eat lunch, and then do another chesed project in the afternoon, sometimes two or three. And the projects will range from anything from... uh, Visiting a nursing home to uh, helping, uh, you know, repaint an organ, uh, orphanage or a school or, you know, uh, running a camp for, uh, for Stay Road kids, a carnival for kids from Stay Road or, you know, so many different activities they have on a weekly basis. They're, you know, so you name it, there's the, you know, working with elderly, working with disabled, um, all, all kinds of programs for five weeks. So they have a number of chesed opportunities that they do every day. And then they also have their own fun TLM. They spend, they spend Shabbos in Tzvat. They spend Shabbos in Yerushalayim. Uh, they're based in Obasara, but they really travel the country. Uh, doing chesed all over the country and giving back to the people of Israel, which is obviously very meaningful and impactful. And GIVE is an acronym, right? Yes, Girls Israel Volunteer Experience. And is there something for boys? Yes, so there's the, the, the GIVE, I guess, parallel for boys. It's a little bit different. It's called BUILT. It's Boys Israel Leadership Training. Uh, that basically is a chesed leadership touring program uh, that also is five weeks that goes around the country. So it's a traveling program as opposed to being based. Give has a base and comes back every night for the most part to Mavaseret, whereas Bills will travel a week, a week, a week, and uh, here and there. But they, they specialize in the idea of a combination of leadership building and team activity building uh, and chesed. They also run a camp for underprivileged children for a few days. Um, 
But they, they've added an outdoor twist. They've added, basically, they do some army training. They do a yam yam hike. Cool. Uh, and they do some, so they really, they're, they're a combination, really, of our Jolt and Give program, uh, which is custom and leadership, but they've added that outdoor twist. So they're, you know, they're, they're kind of like a, almost like the guy's program, uh, guy-guy program in Israel, if you will, for five weeks. That's, that sounds incredible. There are so many different opportunities. Do the girls get um, get the opportunity to also go to an army base and do the yam liam, or that's just for the boys? Not at the moment. We're actually, we actually had a staff conference for the past three days in Connecticut, and that actually came up a couple of times. Um, so it's something we're going to actually look into to see if, if that would really be a need. But, uh, you know, we, we've added a number of programs. Like you said, we're at 12. We're, we're going to send over 1,000 kids on our programs this summer, God willing. Uh, so we, we, we always, we, we try to meet a need in the community, some sort of, you know, growth oriented need in the community. So Built was just started, this is it going into its third summer, Give USA is in its first, in its second summer. Uh, and thank God they're, 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 we're, we're doing alright. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam Wallach and I'm joined by David Cutler, who is the Director of Finances and Summer Programs for NCSY. We're discussing all the programs that NCSY has available for teens for next summer. By the way, the summer website is summer ncsy.org. You can also email them summer at ncsy.org. You can call 212-613-8125 and ask for Elliot Tansman and tell him I sent you because he will really, really enjoy that. By the way, let's just go back for a second. Michlelet and Kolel, are they, am I mistaken to say those are probably your two most popular trips? Um, yeah, they are. They are our biggest trips, uh, numbers-wise, except for the, the public school programs. But Colo gets 150 boys. Uh, that is a program that is basically a sports and, and learning program in Israel, based in Yeshivat Or Yerushalayim, uh, in Israel. And uh, the boys, again, that program is, is is incredible because of the star power we have on on, on that program. We have, uh, besides, again, the, we get the top basketball players and hockey players, and the sports there is incredible. But the learning. Uh, is also presented in, in a great way where kids who, you know, or I wouldn't say they're exactly Masmidim type kids, but they're coming from regular, you know, you know, Orthodox yeshivas here in uh, here in, in the U.S. Uh, but they get to spend the summer with our Herschel Schechter, or Tzvi Sabalovsky, or Mayor Torsky from YU, the Russian yeshiva, who are there for the summer, and they're also spending the summer with Rebbeim from every single yeshiva in Israel. They're the Rebbeim uh, in, in the morning. Uh, from any yeshiva you name, Hakotel, Torah Shraga, uh, Ori Rishalayim, uh, any single one, Mavaseret, any race, they're, they're all there. So the, you know, the firepower that really runs this program, and those same Rebbeim and those same people that, you, that, that actually learn with you are the ones who play sports with you as well. Right. So the, the sports <laughs> and the, the learning and, the, and, and the, the six weeks that take place on that program are, are really incredible. That's, and can you do me a favor? Can you just let people know about the Michlelet wedding that's uh, one of those videos that was up? Yeah, absolutely. So Michlelet is the sister program of Kolel, which is also a six-week program in Israel. It's based in, in Reishid Yerushalayim, which is, uh, anybody who knows Reishid Yerushalayim is, is a country club in Israel in, in Beit Shemesh. <laughs> uh, beautiful campus with, you know, tennis courts and basketball, indoor basketball courts and a, just a beautiful facility. Uh, and the girls, they basically, they're, it's a learning program, but they're two days a week, they do chesed. Uh, they also have speakers, different speakers from, from all walks of life that come in every night uh, to address the girls and, and, and talk to them about different things. Um, but they also, their big chesed project for the summer is a, is a wedding. They will take, they work with an organization to find a poor, uh, poor couple that would have gotten married perhaps in, you know, in someone's basement, literally didn't have the money they needed to really have a wedding. And they, they, they sponsor it. I don't, not only does the, the McClellan program find sponsors for the wedding, the girls make the wedding in the Rashid Yerushalayim wedding hall. 
They actually make the centerpieces. They're the waitresses. Beautiful. They run a bridal shower and get the girl a shaitel. Unbelievable. Uh, so from A to Z, that is their chesed project. And I can't tell you. And you get a couple hundred people coming to a real, you know, covetic wedding, a beautiful wedding, and the ratio you use. And they don't know. And the guests don't know that this was a chesed. They think that, okay, these people have a wedding here. They don't know all everything that went on behind the scenes. It's really it's incredible. That is beautiful. That is a true, true um, mitzvah. It is, it, it's, you know, to be Misamea Chassan Vakala, and especially in that kind of situation, is really a unique experience. I imagine a very formative experience for teens at that age. I do, I do not want to leave out the ICE programs. Yes. And I don't want to leave out JOLT. We have about four or five minutes left, and I want to make sure that we get to those programs. Okay, so our, our JOLT program is, a, is our leadership program uh, for post 10th and 11th graders that goes to Poland. Then it runs a program in either Germany or uh, or Denmark or such a, such a place for Russian uh, children that have migrated to Germany or Munich. Uh, unaffiliated, she runs a program for them. And then it goes on to Israel. So it's a leadership program, co-ed. Uh, really, uh, again, one bus, sold out every year, tough to get on. Uh, fantastic program, very meaningful, especially because of that meaning, the, the middle piece of that running that program for the unaffiliated Russian children. Our two ICE programs, we expanded our programs, our ICE programs, into two different programs. ICE stands for nothing anymore, but it used to stand for <laughs> Israel Create Your Own Experience. And we now uh, go to either Europe and Israel. That's Euro ICE. This year they're going to Greece and Israel. And the philosophy there is we have an unbelievable rabbi, our Southwest Director, Rabbi Yisrael Lashak, who is a world traveler. Who, he's originally Mexican. He's seven languages. He knows the world literally like the back of his hand. He takes the kids all over the world tracing uh, Jewish ancestry and Jewish history. And so not only is it the most fun you'll ever have in your life, but you're really learning about Jewish history everywhere we go. So last year they were in Italy and Hungary and uh, all over the place, and, and they learn about Jewish history. And then the other program, ICE Israel, which is a program we also started last summer, uh, is a co-ed five-week touring program of Israel. And we introduced that as an affordable, you know, it's very expensive to live these days, obviously. Right. And uh, programs are really are really expensive. So we, we introduced that as a little bit more of an affordable co-ed touring program just of Israel. Uh, and that program also sold out one bus. And, uh, you know, it's, it's already well on its way to God willing, filling up this year as well. As a parent of a teen who is investigating the different programs that are available, I, I am honestly shocked, and I'm, I'm not referring to NCSY programs, but I'm shocked at the other programs that are out there that are unbelievable, unbelievably cost prohibitive. Right. And, and it, it's a little bit shocking to me as a parent, and I, I wonder where the, the chutzpah line um, is potentially crossed. Right. Well, for the difference between us and the other programs, with all due respect, everyone should live and be well, I mean. is uh, they're doing this as a for-profit you know, money-making experience. We are doing this for an educational, growth-oriented experience, uh, and we're we're literally subsidizing all of our programs with in the form of, do- of donors and the Orthodox Union. The OU is really behind us and subsidizes our programs, um, and we're so we're just in this for a little bit different of a ball game, which is why my job is fantastic. I don't have to really <laughs> worry. You know, we have a budget and we're allowed to invest a certain amount of money, uh, but we always pride ourselves on, on you know on the fact that we're a little cheaper than everybody else, and we deal with scholarships and we're flexible right. with payment plans and. Because uh, you know, after all, our programs, as much as they're a luxury, we view them now as a critical educational tool. You know, now, every kid generally now, most kids will get one summer where they're allowed to go on a quote-unquote expensive summer program. 
uh, and we feel it should be with us because it's a, it's, it's a life-changing experience. It's not just a program where you'll go and have fun and come back and make friends, which you will, but you'll come back a better Jew, uh, a better leader, uh, you know, and you'll grow, you'll grow in some area of your Judaism, whether it's leadership, whether it's davening, whether it's your you know, sportsmanship, or whatever it might be, you will grow uh, in some kind of way after Nancy's Y Summer Program. I have friends who are my age and in their 30s who went on Jolt and still talk about it as a formative experience Oh, in absolutely. Life. You'll make some of the best friends of your life uh, on a summer program because, spending, again, spending four to six weeks, right. you know, in, in this kind of way, then so much time, you're spending so much time with I get to see, my, my job is awesome. I get to see the kids off at the airport. Then I get to go to Israel, and then I see them all. There. I go to every single banquet of every program for that exact reason. I get to see how they were at the beginning, you know, because kids who are just meeting each other and don't really know each other, to the family they've become by the end of the program is really incredible. It, it's very fulfilling. And can you explain to everyone, and with a couple minutes that we have left, what Yom NCSY is? Yes, Yom NCSY is a program that we created a number of years ago where all of our programs get together for one night, all of them, 1,500 people, including Beautiful. alumni, staff, uh, kids, uh, get together for one night of an incredible mega event. We rented out, in the last couple of years, we've used a place called Mini Israel, uh, which is no longer actually going to be big enough for us this year. God willing, nice. but we rented out the entire place. Everyone comes together under one roof for a tremendous concert and barbecue, uh, as, well as, as well as an event where we make some presentations and, you know, really uh, get together. And it's beautiful, the fact that in one night, it's the essence of what NCSY is all about. One night, under one roof, you have a kid who's never kept Shabbos before in his life until this summer, and a kid who's sitting in the basement or so all summer. Everyone in between, and we are one NCSY family of Jews, uh, 1,500 people strong, enjoying a wonderful barbecue from Papagayus, <laughs> a, great pop- a great concert from Cats, uh, an incredible night of videos and different presents. Last year we gave a, a girl who had gone on our public school program that went on to go on to our yeshiva programs and actually became from this going to yeshiva Beautiful. next year in Israel. We gave her, uh, presented her at Yom NCSY a scholarship to go learn in Israel for the year. Wow. Yom NCSY. So a, a very meaningful evening, a meaningful summer, but that night is the very essence of what NCSY is all about. Everybody, I- one roof, one family, doesn't matter where you're from, you know, what your background is, we're all together, we're all, we're all united. And I imagine there's a kumzitz involved, yeah? A giant one. I mean. the, the concert becomes like a giant comes in. <laughs> that sounds, it sounds like an amazing opportunity for any student to be involved and for any team to be involved. And there are programs that are gender specific. There are programs that are co-ed. If you're looking for a program for your child, go to summer.ncsy.org. Again, you can email them summer at ncsy.org with any questions that you may have. David, thank you so much for joining me and continued Hatzlacha. Amen. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful Sabbath. You too. Take care. Take you're, care. Be well. You too. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And our third but final guest for today joins us on the phone. Matzis, you there? Hey, good morning, Miriam. Good morning, Matzis Weingast, host of JM Sunday. And a major, major um, crux at the as part of our institution, as part of our network. Um, Matzis, I do want to th- take this moment on the air to thank you publicly for all that you do, not only for the network and for Nachum, but for me personally, both as a friend and as a mentor. Thank you. Do I have editing capabilities? Uh, no, because we're live, but I appreciate that. Anyway, let's talk about this upcoming Sunday because as Rami and I spoke about at the top of the hour, it is the yard site of Rav Shlomo Karlbach. It's the 19th yard site, not as the typo on my Facebook page might uh, allude to it being the first because that's not the case. It is the 19th. And speak to let everyone know, give everyone a little bit of a heads up as to what's going on Sunday morning because you have a full and unbelievable show planned. Well, thank you. As you mentioned, it's the 19th anniversary of Shlomo Kalbach's yard site. Uh, I remember vividly the, the day he passed away and, and uh, when I heard about it. Uh, and it was a blow to everybody in the Jewish community and everybody who loves Jewish music and just the influence that he had 
on the uh, on, on an entire generation, and that continues uh, until today. So he's really influenced many generations. Uh, this Sunday is the actual yard site, and uh, it'll be appropriate to try to get some additional programming other than just playing music, which we're going to do, and which Avrami is going to be doing Saturday night on Saturday Night Siegel on the stream, and uh, the stream will continue with the Shlomo Kabach music, mm-hmm. and Anachim is playing Shlomo Kabach music on Friday morning, and he's been doing it all this week also. But I decided that it might be a good idea to um, have some guests on that can talk about Shlomo Kabach, their interaction with him uh, over the years, and some of the uh, things, uh, some stories that might be of interest. So I have, in no particular order right now, because I'm not sure of the order yet, uh, I have a Rabbi Naftali Citrin, who's the rabbi of the Kabach Shul in Manhattan, the current rabbi. And he'll be joining me in the morning to talk about uh, Shlomo Kalbach and about the Shlomo's influence and about the shul. And the he- on we'll- the heels of the concert that is this Matzei Shabbos. Correct. There's an entire weekend, weekend of programming uh, through the Kabach Shul, and uh, that starts on Motzi Shabbos with a concert, uh, learning throughout the day, and then a concert uh, at night by Neshama Kabach, who will also be on the air with me. That's going to be the highlight of, uh, of my interview schedule for Sunday morning. Uh, Shia Mendelowitz will also be joining me. Uh, he is a well-known Jewish music producer and has been around for a long time in the industry and a great friend. Um, so we'll share some stories with him. Um, if I'm we'll not be- mistaken, by the way, I think that Shia produced three of the Karlbach albums, but I, I, I could be wrong. Uh, we'll find out on Sunday exactly what he produced. I believe you're correct. Uh, and he also produced a number of the uh, Hass concerts, right. which Shishlom Havach appeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, by the way, was amazing. I hope we can talk about that on Sunday, because I was there at that uh, concert when Shlomo Havach came on. And I would say that many of the people that were there at the concert did not uh, attend Kaaba concerts when they were uh, younger, because Shlomo was, uh, was a different generation. But here you had a crowd of people, uh, many of whom did know Shlomo Havach, erupted. It, it was just amazing. Uh, that energy that night at the, the Hess concert. Wow. We'll also be joined by Shlomo Katz, who also is no stranger mm. to these airways. He's right. a musician. Right. He's also the editor of a safer uh, of Rabbi Shlomo's Torah, Torah commentary. Beautiful. So we're going to talk to him about that. Uh, Dr. Natan Ophir is a, uh, a, a person who recently wrote a biography of Shlomo Kabach, well-researched and very extensive. Uh, it's an Urim publication book, and I'm not even sure it's out yet, but uh, we're going to be talking about the book. Again, very extensive and um, great sources to talk to. Uh, and then, of course, I mentioned Michelle Kabach, talking about her father, uh, his life, his legacy, his music, and, of course, her music. She'll be coming out with a new album soon. Uh, she has channeled his music in many different directions. The, hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to her about some of the venues in which she's been able to perform her father's music and her music, uh, not what one would uh, generally expect. But uh, if I if I remind the audience that when um, Pope John Paul II, I believe it was, came to the United States back in the 90s, uh, I, I was actually watching this on television when he came to Giant Stadium. And they were singing songs, the audience was singing songs before he uh, got up to speak. And suddenly I hear... Uh, Shlomo Kamas Lamana Hai with the English words. And I'm like, what? So I remember calling Mark Zahamik and saying, Mark, are you listening to this? I'm confused. I'm not in my hearing the right thing. And it turns out there was a very uh, strong connection between Shlomo Kamas and the Pope. Wow. And, and that music was played in, uh, in tribute to Shlomo and in the, in the Pope's honor. 
so that's all happening Sunday morning live. What a lineup. Uh, we are having an extended program right. from 7 to 10 a.m. on the stream on right. Jam Sunday. Usually it's 7 to 9. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And, of course, there'll be music, Shlomo Kabach music. Uh, I, I was torn a little bit because I wanted to play all Shlomo Kabach music original, not anyone who's covered the uh, his songs. Yet, if I'm having Shlomo Katz on, I, I have to play something of Shlomo Katz. Right. If I'm having the Shema on, I certainly have to play music from the Shema. So I'll see how I work that in. Do you have a Karl Bach favorite? I mean, I, I know it's hard <sighs> to. Uh, see, I knew I was going to get a sound effect like that out of you. But and you don't want to you don't want to say you love one child more than the other. I get that, but they're not your children. So do you have a favorite? Okay, the um, second sound effect you got to at least give me a different one. It was two sighs back to back. Yeah, I'll tell you one sigh is that it's too early in the morning for me to remember all of the songs to know which one is my favorite. Dude, I get up early enough. It's the afternoon, so work with me here. Oh <laughs> uh, wow, uh, I think S I N I is it comes to mind. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm going to say, I know it'll be a little cheesy, but I'm Yisrael Chai. Uh, I don't think that's that cheesy. Because that a song of a generation. Right. I don't think that's cheesy. I actually think that that's very sweet, and I'm pretty sure that if I know of Rummy, he's going to make sure to include that in Saturday Night Seagull. So this Sunday from 7 to 10, it is a supersized version of, version of JM Sunday, hosted by Matis Weingast. Matis, thank you very much for joining me this morning, and um, I look forward to listening on Sunday. It's a great pleasure and honor. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you for everything that you do. Oh, I do absolutely nothing. You've been listening here to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam Wallach. Thank you for making us part of your morning. Let's go through the lineup so you can make sure not to miss anything that we have planned for the rest of the day. Already in the studio getting ready for the live lunch. Nachum Siegel hosts the live lunch from 11 to 1 Eastern time here on the stream, followed by Sound Advice with world-renowned author and psychologist Dr. David J. Lieberman. That's at 1 p.m. And the doctor is in taking your calls. That's 212-529-4620. It's free therapy, folks, and I do mean that literally and figuratively. Dr. Dave at NahumSiegel.com. That's D-R-D-A-V-E at NahumSiegel.com. Or you can also try Dr. David, D-R-D-A-V-I-D, at NahumSiegel.com. Email your questions or call in 212-529-4620. You do not want to miss it. And at 2 p.m., Gorf hosts this week's spin, uh, this week's stunt show. And as you know, with the stunt show, you never know what you're going to get. Followed by Mark Zomick's choice for album of the week. We are continuing with a Carl Bach celebration. It is Klezmer one and two. Don't miss it. You don't want to miss those musical breaks during the day. And guess what? Continuing and sitting in for Michael Fragan again. Nachum will host spin class at 6 p.m. as Michael continues on. The campaign trail. Don't worry, everybody. It's almost over here in New York. We're coming down the stretch. By the way, why are you looking at me funny? Uh, by the way, um, co- speaking of coming down the stretch, so, uh, Marathon Sunday is coming up here in New York. It'll be November 3rd. Anybody who's a marathoner who has a great story, post Sandy, because as as you know, there was no there was no marathon last year because of Hurricane Sandy. So if you prepped last year and you were ready to run and all of a sudden it was canceled, you were running for an organization or you have a story, please email me, miriam at nachumsegel.com. I would love to feature your story on the air. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JMAM live here on the stream. Don't miss the weekly update with Malcolm coming on around 745, 750. And, of course, sorry, what? 
7.40, my bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. Everyone hear that? That was Nachum. And, of course, uh, table for two with Naomi Nachman starting at 9. That's still at 9, right? Just kidding. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Don't miss it. Check the uh, season. The programming schedule season two is on our website. Don't miss a thing. My thanks to Avrami for joining me here this morning. I leave you today with Chazak Amenu of the Voices for Israel CD. It is a Jordan B. Gorfinkel production because it is also the yard site, the 18th yard site of Yitzchak Rabin's death. I remember where I was when I heard that he was killed. I'm sure you do as well. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Another siren wails Just an ordinary day Was it anyone I know? How can life go on this way? Hazak beneath Hazak We sing the words out loud To strengthen one another Together Standing proud Hazak Hazak, we stand this one. Hazak, Hazak, we must be strong. Hazak, Hazak, we will go on. Yaseh Shalom. Say